I have a new pulpit. I don't know if you saw that. Thank you, Robbie Van, Van Elverding, uh, for setting that up for us. This is an aluminum welded and riveted uh, uh, thing, and, uh, and he uh, put this on here. He bent this. I mean, this guy has amazing skill. Th- these are welded right here. I don't know if you can see these beautiful welds. I mean, there's this, this thing right here. You got the logo right there. It's amazing. The pulpit that I had been using, it's, it's not even a pulpit. I bought it at Ross Dress for Less. There's a perfect, that's, that's the place, as one does, we go to Ross to buy our pulpits. It's, you know, small known fact, but uh, I bought that uh, 13 years ago. been preaching on that thing every week for uh, 13 years. So uh, I'm happy about this. Uh, it might be a little tall. We might be cutting it down a little bit. It might make me feel a little shorter. I think, um, which uh, doesn't help. Maybe I'll get platform shoes or something. That'll be better. So, and all right, okay. Grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Here we go. Uh, what are we looking at here? We're looking at Luke chapter 15. We've been talking through Luke chapter 14 and, and earlier chapters as well. Had a lot of sermons on judgment. Had a lot of sermons on judgment. And just at the end of the age, watch out. Look out. Uh, Jesus is coming, you better be ready, that whole thing, it's hellfire and brimstone in in essence, yet we know that the gospel still applies in that situation. Uh, You go to last week's sermon, which was talking about the cost of discipleship, another hard-hitting type passage is what does it look like to be a disciple? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You go to the first words here and read with me. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now let me, let me try to explain that a little bit. Jesus has been talking to these religious jerks for a while. He's been, he's been talking to them and, and basically saying, hey, you guys are arrogant. You're rude. You're, you're people who, uh, who put yourselves first. You're narcissists. Uh, you, you have issues in your life and you think you have it all together. Now, who is actually drawing near to Jesus? Who is, who is coming near to hear him? It is the tax collectors and the sinners. It's the people who are very clearly pointed out as sinners. It is the people that feel the worst. It is the people that know the most about their own problems. They're told every day, these tax collectors, I hate you. You're a punk. I can't believe that you would turn on your own people. Why? These are, these are Jews. These are people from the Jewish people who have decided to help the Roman occupiers by becoming tax collectors. So they know all the Jewish people in this village and they have turned them in and said this person hasn't paid their tax and this person hasn't paid their tax and this person owes this much. And so these tax collectors are hated. Everybody hates them. They're not welcome in the temple. They're not welcome in the church. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants to be around them. They are very obviously sinners. But it says the tax collectors and sinners Put it in today's terms. These are the people, the last people that you could imagine being in the church on Sunday morning. 
These are the very last people that you would ever think would ever come to Jesus for any type of forgiveness. These are the last people that would ever darken the doors of this church or any church. These are the people who are very clearly addicted to pornography but cannot seem to tell anybody. These are the people that are in relationships that they should not be in. They're having intimacy before they're married. They struggle with same-sex attraction. They're having challenges really understanding God's unique design for their specific gender that was assigned to them by God. These are people who are advocating for everything that's wrong. And, and maybe there's an inkling of, okay, I'm not a churchgoer. I don't like the church. I don't like being at the church. I, I would never go there. Maybe I grew up in the church. I hated it. They, they rejected me. They did all these things. And yet Jesus somehow has this draw on them. He's bringing them into him through what he's saying. There's something about Jesus' message that is attractive to these people. And they know on some level, what if I've been wrong all these years about what I've chosen to do? What if I've been wrong? Or maybe they just clearly know. I know it's wrong. I just can't stop myself. I know I, know I shouldn't be doing it. I just keep doing it. It's the only way that I can medicate, as Jeremiah was just talking about. And what, what a stud for, for talking about that on video in front of the church, making himself available. Jesus is drawing people like Jeremiah. Jesus is drawing people like you. Jesus is drawing people like me who know that they are a sinner. Now, think about the notes of grace that are in this. Think about how, like, this is, this is crazy. The Pharisees are repelled, the sinners are drawn near. Woo! It's good. It's really good. Think about, look at the contrast between the judgment passages here and now we're getting into this. Jesus is drawing in these people. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now this, is, this statement is meant to be an insult Look at this guy. He claims to be a churchgoer, and yet he receives sinners. And not only does he receive them, not only does he take them in, but he sits down and eats with them. He sits down and has a meal with these sinners. What in the world? How could he possibly be anything but a false teacher? Luke shows us that Jesus basically says, oh yeah, you think that's bad? Hold my beer, all right? And then he goes into some other things. So there's three things that I see in this passage. Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. That's the first thing. The second thing is Jesus pursues sinners and eats with them. And the third thing is that Jesus rejoices over sinners and eats with them. And some of you are sitting here going, Matt has three points. What's going on right now? Uh, I, what, what just, I just became a Christian last night. So uh, 
You guys need to wake up. I, I just, I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you. Uh, Jesus receives, he pursues, and he rejoices over sinners and eats with them. The first thing, he receives. What we see here from these Pharisees is that they have laid down a doctrine. They unwittingly have laid down a doctrine that Jesus is emanating from his person. Like if you were to hang out with Jesus, if you were to see who he is, by the way, side note, this is why you should read your Bible. Get to know Jesus. What's Jesus like? What did people say about him? What did, what did he look like? What was, what was his personality like? That's how we get to know Jesus. That's how we spend time with Jesus. So the Pharisees had been around Jesus. They've been watching him. They've been watching him carefully. They don't like him. He's showing them up. And so what they're saying is this. They're saying, they're tr- they're, they think they're saying something negative. Jesus full on embraces it. He embraces it. And what is this? It's a doctrine, according to Spurgeon, that they lay down. It's a doctrine that Jesus has emanated from his person, from his personality, and that he has uh, shared with people, and, he sa- and he's basically saying, yes, I receive sinners. But it's more than that. It's not just that he receives sinners. It's not just that this man receives sinners and eats with them. It is this. It is that this man only receives sinners. Jesus only receives sinners, which means that the opposite is true. Jesus does not receive the righteous. Jesus does not receive righteous people into relationship. Do you hear what I'm saying? This man only receives sinners. So the only way to be received by Jesus Christ is to be a sinner. The only way that you can be somebody who has relationship with God is to actually be a sinner. Now this is in great contrast to what our world believes. Now think about everything that's going on in our world today. All of the 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 politically correct language, all of the cultural righteousness that's happening today. Think about racism, sexism, uh, what, 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 oh, the, uh, everything to do with COVID, uh, the, what, whatever it is. I mean, all of this stuff, if you say the wrong thing, if you even imply the wrong thing, if, if, if there's even just an inkling of something that is wrong with what you've said, you are summarily damned. You are canceled. You are removed. The uh, president of uh, OSU, uh, Oregon State University, was just removed, uh, I believe, this week because of, I, and, I, and I don't know the veracity of the claims that, that have been made against him, but he was just removed. Uh, there's a litany of people that have been removed from their position. They have been fired. They have been let go. They have been demoted. Our culture is the biggest group of Pharisees that there ever was. You thought the church was bad and judgmental. Look at the judgmentalism that's going on in our culture. Look at what's happening in our culture. Our culture is not a culture of grace. 
It has turned into a culture of law, but the law is written by crazy people. You and I, the law is written by people who are taken this way and that way. Their stomach is their guide. Their desires are their, their guide. They change on a whim. They, in, in a moment, and I'm not even for a second uh, claiming that racism, sexism, or uh, that, we, that, there, that there wasn't some kind of concern with, uh, with COVID. Yes, those things are, are true, but not everything is true in those instances. Our culture is so full of legalism, and if you say the wrong thing, if you do the wrong thing, you are done. Your career is over, your relationships are gone, you have no more friends, we will do everything in our power to remove you, to remove your ability to make money. Think about it. Think about the legalism that's happening in our culture today. It is insane. Enter Jesus. Jesus receives the culturally incorrect. Jesus receives the culturally correct, who then realize, oh, this is not in alignment with God's law. This is in alignment with the world's laws. The world's idea of what morality is, which is no morality at all. It is immorality. Jesus receives people like that. Jesus receives people like you and me who are sinners. He does not receive the righteous. Think about that for a moment. I just need to clean up my life a little bit, I just need to get some things straight. I need, to, I need to, to fix some things. Think about this for a moment. If you were to run for office today, uh, one of the things that your uh, political advisor, uh, whoever it is, would, would say to you is they would say, do you have any skeletons in your closet, right? <laughs> any Facebook posts, any at all, uh, referencing anything. Like, do you, do, have, you, have you lived at all? Have you, have you done anything at all? And, and you would think to yourself, okay, I, well, there was this post and there was that post and there were, there were these things. And, and he would say to you, hey, take all that down. Take all that down. Make sure all your taxes are paid. Make sure you're not cheating on your spouse. Make sure yeah, all of these things. Does anybody know about that thing that happened when you were you know, 16? Does anybody know about, know about this? You would clean up your life. We approach God in the same way. We start reviewing our Facebook as it, as it pertains to before God. We, and we say, I'll come to God when my Facebook and all those pictures I took on over spring break, that time I was really wasted and I was like, yeah, you know, like where, wherever you were, whatever, I'm going to take all that stuff down and then I'll be received by God. God says, I will only receive you with the incriminating pictures. You can't come to me without the incrimination. You can't come to me without the stuff that is all faulty. I will only receive you as you really are. I will only take you in. I cannot take someone who has tried to fix up the window dressing, take down the pictures, correct the statements. I will not receive you at that. 
So Jesus takes these, the statement from these Pharisees, from these religious jerks, and he says, it's, that's exactly right. You got it. You figured it out. You see it. You actually see who I am because you've been around me. Jesus only receives sinners. He does not receive the righteous. Now, as the church today, what does that look like for us? Well, it means our mission is to not be a bunch of righteous people, but to know that we are a bunch of sinners that need the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We are a bunch of sinners who need the grace of Jesus. We cannot be a group of people who have not been with Jesus. To say anything else, to look like anything else, is to prove that we don't even know this, this, this God, that we don't even know this Jesus. It is to say, I haven't even been with him. I don't really know what he's like. This is what is so antithetical about legalism, about judgmentalism, about churches that can't seem to receive people that are so obviously sinners. They can't receive them. It doesn't mean that we don't call sin, sin. It doesn't mean that there is not sexual ethics. There, it definitely is and will continue to be so. But we are receiving those people. Our mission is to also receive the sinners and eat with them. The second thing, as I said, is this. This man pursues sinners and eats with them. Remember I said Jesus was like, oh yeah, you think that's all that it is? It's not just that I receive them. It's not just that I take them in. It's not just that I uh, allow them to be around. Okay, I'll let some, I'll let some, I'll do some good deeds and I'll allow the, the homeless to be with me or I'll allow this lowly uh, prostitute be, to be near me or this person to wash my feet or wh- whatever. It's not just that. It's, it's not just that, but it's that he is actually going after them. He's pursuing them. He takes initiative to go after them and get them. Look, that's what Jesus says. Look, I mean, you gotta see this. Luke says... The sinners are drawing near to him. The Pharisees said, this man eats with sinners, or that he receives sinners and eats with them. And then he says, and by the way, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, hang on a second, hold my wine glass. Here we go. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he, has, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Jesus takes a story that all of them would know. They really understand sheep herding. Not hurt, herding sheep, but her. I don't know even I don't know what the motion would be for hurting hurting them but not hurting sheep but hurting them. So this culture is very aware of sheep hurting, okay? So Jesus uses an everyday example. And just in case that wasn't clear, he gives a second example. Look at verse 8. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? 
Look at the words that Jesus is using in both of these passages. The first one in uh, verse, I think it's verse four, yeah. He goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. It's, it, it's not just that he receives them, it's that he's going after them, he's pursuing them, he is initiating. He takes initiative. He is taking the initiative. Look at what it says in verse one. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now, why is it saying that? Jesus, through his words, through his grace, through his mercy, through his personality, he is drawing people to himself. He is pursuing them. He is going after them. Jesus says, not only is it that I receive them, I am full on going after after them. I am seeking them. I am looking for them. I want them. I, I, I desire that they're here. Now, what are these people? The first example is obviously sheep. The second example is a coin. The first one is ignorant. You might know that sheep are, are fairly uh, stupid, uh, kind of foolish, Sheep uh, don't really understand much, and so they get lost, they get, they get in trouble, and so it takes a lot of work to keep them in line. The second one is a coin. The coin has no awareness at all. The sheep has limited awareness. The, 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 the coin has no awareness. It's, it's just this dumb coin that just fell in, into the crack somewhere. It, it's lost, and it's unaware of its lostness. So when we're talking about the ignorant and the unaware, we're talking about the foolish, The foolish person. We're talking about the person that did this to themselves. We're talking about the philanderer. The man who can't seem to find his way home. We're talking about the promiscuous. The person that's always looking for love in all the wrong places. We're talking about the shamed the person that knows that they don't have what it takes, the person that realizes that they have really screwed up and they just, they just wander off. Like, you know what, I can't, I can't be around the shepherd. I just, I have to go. I have to go away. We're talking about the, the angry. We're talking about the, the impolite. We're talking about the gossip. We're talking about the overeater. We're talking about the person that is just can't seem to get life right, can't seem to hold it together, can't seem to spend their money wisely. We're talking about the person that always seems to never be seeking after God enough I don't go to church enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't, I don't do this. I don't do that. We're talking about the person that just feels like there's nothing on my resume that would say that I'm even close. And Jesus is pursuing you. He is going after you. He's going after not just the person who is not a Christian, who has no desire for Jesus. He's, he's, he, he's going after that person, but he's also going after the person that is a Christian. 
Because this isn't a process that stops the grace and the, the pursuing love of God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is not something that stops at the point of conversion. When you say yes, yes to Jesus and no to sin, you repent of your sins, it's not like, okay, new game plan. Now, Jesus is no longer pursuing you. You better be pursuing him. And I, uh, yes, it's good to pursue Jesus, but Jesus is definitely pursuing you. Jesus is definitely pursuing you. He is coming after you. He desires to have relationship with you. And how does he do that? How does Jesus pursue you? Jesus pursues you by coming to you and allowing you to see your own sin. Allowing you to understand. Do you know that your awareness of your sin is actually what even qualifies you to actually be a Christian? Your awareness, it qualifies you to actually be able to put faith in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says how people of this world, Gentiles, are unaware of God. They cannot see they cannot understand. They are darkened in their understanding. They don't even know that they are sinful. Do you know that it's a grace and that it's a mercy of God for you to be aware of your own sin? Do you know how antithetical that is to this world today? This world today says, if you feel bad about it, don't call it bad, call it good. If you think that it is bad, just call it good and everything will be fine. And so many people in our world today are lying to themselves. They're lying to themselves about like, it's not that bad. Or it's actually okay. So many people are accepting of it. I'm hearing statistics today that how many people today, it's an overwhelming majority that actually agree with LGBTQ relationships and all of the stuff that goes along with that. Just say that it's, it's okay. And yet it is tearing apart our country. It is ruining lives. It is actually bigotry against women. That men would be allowed to become women in some way. Or said to become women. Look at what our world is doing. Look at, look at how our world is further injuring this world over and over again. Just say that it's fine. This is what our world is doing. It is actually thwarting. It is working against God. It is working against his morality, his way of doing business. And God says, when you become aware of the reality, of the truth, of the law, that I am returning and I will judge the living and the dead based on my laws, not on your laws, Jesus says, he will be the one to judge and that is the thing that you're going to be held to account for. But there is this fantastic and amazing aspect to this, which is, but he receives sinners. So the person who says that morality is a social construct cannot be received. You cannot be received on that basis. 
You cannot think that Jesus is, is cool and, and get in. You, you cannot uh, say, you know what, I, you know, I've done some, some stuff, but really nothing that I really need to repent over. You, you cannot be received on that level. It must be that you come to the conclusion that you need a Savior, that you are unrighteous. And Jesus is pursuing you by allowing you to see your unrighteousness. Jesus is pursuing you in your guilty moments. In the seconds before you go to sleep, as you're reminded of the things that you've done in the past, of the things that you've done that day, of the things that you've done that night, as you're reminded of the things that are just like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Jesus is pursuing you. Jesus is pursuing you in your stuff. Do you, do you hear me? Do you hear me? That is Jesus' mercy for you. He's running after you. He is pursuing you. And do you see what it says in verse 5? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Look at the love that Jesus has for you. The ignorant, the wayward, the person who is so lost and they're not even sure of how lost they are. Jesus is not saying, okay, here I am. I'll let you come and get some mercy maybe, but you better clean some things up. He's pursuing you. He's coming. He finds you in a thicket or, he, or blackberry bushes or, or on a hillside or stuck in a valley. And he goes down there and, he's, and th- this valley is of your own making. This thicket is of your own making. It is your own problem. And Jesus works his way in there and he, and he says, hey, I'm here to take you home. I'm here to love you. And he, he picks you up. And I know this is weird to imagine yourself as an animal, but just go with me here for a second. He picks you up. And think about how loving this is. He picks you up and he puts you over and he just walks back. And Jesus just takes a walk with you. Isn't that stinking cool? And he's not just going, gosh, dang it. When we get back to the house, I'm going to just smack the sheep on the behind. I don't know how you discipline a sheep, but somebody from Silverton can let me know. Uh, I'm going to try to recover from that comment here. <laughs> like, it's not that he's saying, like, I'm, I'm in a, he, he's going to know that he really screwed it up. And I'm going to, it's, he's skipping down the road. I don't know how big this sheep is, but Jesus apparently is very strong. He's skipping down the road with this sheep. He is rejoicing. That's the next thing. It's not just that he receives you. 
It's that he pursues you. He is drawing you in your moments of your worst guilt. It's not just that he says, oh, I'll let you come. He's pursuing, he's going after you. He's drawing you in your most guilty moments. And it's not just that. It gets better still. This man rejoices over the sinners and he eats with them. I think that's what Luke is trying to tell us. It's not just that he receives them. It's not just that he receives them. It's he, he goes after them and he rejoices over them and he calls all of his friends. He's like, dude, I got my sheep back. That's how Jesus talks when he gets a sheep, right? Man, I just found a coin. I'd been looking for this coin, been sweeping, been sweeping, been sweeping, been sweeping, finally found the coin. Another awkward example, but it worked in Jesus' day. And when he comes home, verse six, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus is saying, there's gonna be rejoicing over the one that repents. There is no rejoicing over the ones, over the 99, over the vast majority of the people that don't think that they need to repent of anything. There is only rejoicing over the sinner. There is exuberation. There's a party. There's this amazing thing where Jesus is saying, I am so pumped, I got him back. And Jesus is pursuing you in that way. And here's the thing. I was talking with Matt Baldwin. Oftentimes, uh, Pastor Matt and I talk before, we, uh, before I come up. Just I run through my sermon with him and say, what do you think? You know, and he, he just had this, this, this great thought. This is what he said. He said, transformation doesn't happen when I finally kick the habit. Like, I'm not like finally at this point where I'm transformed when finally that's done. Okay, I'm no longer doing that. I'm no longer acting that way. That's not transformation. Transformation happens when we continually come to him repeatedly for the same thing over and over and over again and know that he still has mercy for me. Transformation is what happens when we're continu- we are continually evermore aware of my continual need for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of God's mercy and grace for me and for you. Transformation is happening. It's, it's, I'm not becoming less aware of my sin. I'm becoming more aware of my, my sin. Guilt is the impetus. Shame is the impetus to experience the gospel. It's not antithetical to the gospel. It is the impetus to say, I need the gospel. It's like a hunger. Guilt is a hunger that works itself up in you, and it's a hunger. And, and sometimes we say, I can't go to Jesus because I'm guilty. 
But Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Why? For your guilt. Jesus says, guilt is a hunger. It's a, it is a base hunger that is gnawing at you. And it's saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so hungry. And, I, and, and we just keep wallowing in our guilt. We keep thinking, if I just keep wallowing in my guilt, I'll finally get to a point where I can finally fill myself up. Um, and sometimes we say, forget you, God, I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to try to fill myself, fill, uh, fill myself up with all of the things that the world says that I should have. I'm going to go fill myself up. With all of the relationships I, I think I, I want, I'm going to fill myself up with uh, my work. I'm going to fill myself up with all of this stuff. Guilt, shame, sin is a hunger that points to why I need Jesus as a meal. Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part He rejoices that we come to a, a moment of, I did it again. Think about this for a second. Gosh dang it. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? Ah, man. I want to follow Jesus, but I keep not following Jesus. Oh, gosh. I did it again. Gosh. Why can't I be a good Christian? Why can't I? Jesus rejoices, not that we have sinned, but that we have realized our need for his gospel. In those moments, men and women, is the only place and the only way to actually come to a place of growing in Christ. You will become more aware of your sin. Jesus has said this earlier in Luke. Luke 5, 31. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. What, he, what he's saying there is people who are well don't need to come to the great physician. Only people who know that they're sick. Look at what he says in the next verse, 532. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus did not come for someone who has their life together. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you in your worst moment. Jesus came for you in that instance where you know, I have blown it again. And Jesus, and, and I need Jesus' mercy. And Jesus is not tepidly receiving you. Jesus is not giving you the cold shoulder until you really say that you're sorry. Until you say that you're sorry, I, I'm... I'm I'm just going to sit here. Jesus is not sitting there going, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. I'll give you a little hug, yeah, let's just make sure you, you, you clean yourself up. Jesus is rejoicing. 
He is celebrating. He is loving it because you have seen your need for him. That is it. 